and welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and I have with me Daniel Mangana, who is the owner of Dream with Daniel, a motivational speaker, a writer, and a coach who is on a mission to enable people to lead a purposeful life. On today's episode, Daniel will talk about how he made and lost his first million dollars at the age of 19. If you need help generating more revenue, my team of marketing and sales experts can help you grow your business via content marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, and other channels. For more information, check out my website, shanebarker.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-B-A-R-K-E-R.com. Hey guys, what's going on? We got Shane Barker here with the Marketing Growth Podcast. We have Daniel Mangana here today with us from the Dreamer HQ. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm groovy, Shane. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm doing awesome, man. <laughs> I, I, I've got to be honest. I was trying to figure out the trail of how I started following you. Or, or I guess I could say stalking you because I'm looking at all your stuff. <laughs> Pretty aggressively, right? Which is I think legally you can say that these days, right? I mean, I think yeah. it, and back in the day, if you said I was stalking you, it's a little weird. But this way, I mean, yeah. we kind of want to be stalked as yeah. podcasters and thought leaders and speakers. I mean, we kind of want people to yeah. not come after Look our families me. or anything. Yeah. Look at me. What am I doing? I do. Secretly. <laughs> you don't have to comment, but at least watch what I'm doing. Yeah. No, I get that. I, I was excited about chatting with you, man, because like I said, you've got such a positive outlook on things, especially when it comes to money. There's a lot of different things we'll talk about today. Mm-hmm. Really, really excited about it. But I figured for people that don't know about you, which, you know, in mm-hmm. regards to my audience, I'm sure a good amount of people do. But for the people that don't know about you, I just want to kind of get into a little bit of your background, right? And like mm-hmm. kind of where you grew up and all the, I like to lay a little foundation before we jump in and start, you know, asking all the really hard hitting questions that people, you know, so people really get to know about you. But so mm-hmm. where did you where did you grow up at? I was born and raised in East London in the UK. Um, I made three attempts to escape the UK and mm. didn't work. And then when Man. I finally got out the last time in 2000 and 2018, I just I haven't returned to there. Now I now I call Cabo, Mexico, pretty much home here. Uh, my son was born here back end of last year. So we're like, we're probably going to do Mexico for at least a little bit. Um, it's also one of the few places where it still feels like it's not a communist regime, <laughs> not to get political. So I kind of, I kind of like that. I can yeah. sort of live my life on my own terms. So yeah, we're here. Um, I've got a six-year-old stepdaughter. Uh, my wife is Russian-American. Uh, fun fact, did you know, because I didn't know this when I got married, did you know that the highest mortality rates of wives killing their husbands is Russian women killing their husbands? So did you have that fun fact before you guys got married or did she I, drop I that know. like on the night of? She's like, hey, just no. before we get into some some hot yeah. action tonight, I wanted to share something with you that no. you're never going to leave me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> At I'm least not above the ground. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. Okay. So I do my best to be a really great husband because I like to be alive. And um, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> uh, I write books. I do speaking, uh, podcasting. I love hanging out with cool people like you and just serving people in coming to an understanding that abundance is our birthright. It's not something unnatural. It's not something mystical that we have to chase after a hustle for. It's a natural state that we can return to. And that's what I get to do. I love that. I love that. Yeah, your messaging is your your messaging's on point, man. I mean, it's like I said, if I wake up on a Monday, go, man, today's gonna be a hard day. I just watch a few of your things, and then all of a sudden, I feel like, hey, I'm I'm back in a line. Not fully. I'm 99 percent there. I need I need to do the work, right? I got that one percent. Yeah. So we're we're you're moving and shaking. So how big was your family growing up? So my mom's got five kids. My dad's got about 16, but 
we didn't grow up with all of them. So I grew up with two of my half siblings being around, um, but not any of the older, older, older ones. So five, I'd say seven of us growing up on a regular basis. Uh, my older half sister's got two kids. My brother's got three kids. My brother, next brother, my mum's kids has got two girls, two boys, four kids. My sister's got two. There's me with two. The sister beneath me hasn't got any. And then my, my little sister's got one. And then my nephews and nieces are now old enough to have kids. So I'm a great uncle as well, which is cool. Well, so that's that's quite the family tree you got there. You got tw- 20, 21 brothers and sisters, more some that you were a little more connected to than others. So no, so 16 altogether. So oh, all together. All together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So gotcha. um, but I'd say actively, yes, yeah, seven of them, seven actively. And that's and awesome. Like, hi, you're a brother or sister. How you doing? <laughs> I've never met you, but it's nice to meet you. And we've heard good things. We have a dad in common. So there's yeah. something, there's a connection there. <laughs> there's something Appreciate. there. Yeah. Exactly. So I was going to say, what are any interesting facts growing up? I mean, you already kind of given us some other than the fact that you have to, you can't leave your wife because she'll kill you apparently. Yeah. But maybe. Small wins. Maybe I'll just disappear. Um, yeah, exactly. Say, <laughs> cobbles the place. Careful. Cobbles the place. Yeah. There's lots of ocean for me to do swim in and never come back um the thing i think growing up in east london was really interesting because it was such a cosmopolitan like the 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 the, the pocket of east london when i where i grew up was this cross section so i was stratford in east london near where they have the olympics but then my school was a little bit deeper in, in a place called plaster so plaster you've got predominantly you've got you've got filipino community right there you had uh bengali community right there pakistani community right there um, white British there and then you had Caribbean immigrant right there so this is real melting pot so my class yeah. in like I think what would you call it I don't know what you call it in America but up to like 10 10 11 I don't know what's that grade school is that grade school for yeah you yeah grade school yeah. yeah yeah so it was like a melting pot there was like this great mix mash like everybody just is there and then my parents moved to predominantly white area when I was I want to say 11, 11 stroke 12, I think 11. And it was a culture shock for me. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, okay, I guess that we don't do that. And it was really interesting because, so for my high school, so when I closed out high school, there's a pic, there was a picture, they take a picture every five years of my, my old school. And so you've got 880 students and staff in this picture. And I was senior prefect, so I was in the front row, um, on the side of the teacher and head teacher. And there were 18 ethnic people in the entire picture, including students and staff out of 880. And it was really interesting because now as I've grown up, I've been a person that spent years almost being the envoy of ethnicity in areas where there wasn't that much of a cultural diversity and it's it's been that and, and in the, the craziest of combinations so like I, I dated a, a girl who's um, her family from India and I remember once I was invited to her house well I don't think her mum quite knew who was in the car but she's like oh you're friends in the car invited surprise, Ooh, surprise. <laughs> more chocolate than you were expecting and I found out afterwards that there's never been a black person in their house before ever never and her granny was in the house and her granny come down and nearly falls down the stairs like why is there a black man in our house what happened and 
<laughs> what happened? And then it turns out, so I speak some Hindi and some Urdu. So I'm I'm chatting with Granny, and Granny's like, "What the fudge? There's a there's a black guy yeah. speaking Hindi with me." Yeah. And then I get invited to stay for dinner and all the things. And then oh, afterwards, yeah. Nams was like, "Yeah, like Nanny's never spoken to a black person before." So it was really interesting that I ended up being like the first interaction. So now fast forward now to what I do now, I kind of find myself being the around a different way of looking at abundance. I'm kind of bringing that new, that new approach into people's lives and giving them the opportunity to play with something that maybe wasn't a part of their world before, maybe was off in the distance. And you had these ideas around like people say you have to work hard and it has to be a struggle and it doesn't happen like that. I'm not worthy. And getting to be the person that brings that difference into people's lives is really, really yummy for me. I love that. And you said yummy. I'm going I'm to <laughs> use that maybe in the future. So that's very yummy for me, which is, I just imagine an ice cream or something that sounds like chocolate that's, and all kinds of fun stuff. That's the word of the moment. That's yeah. the word of the moment. So that's, right? I'm going to abuse the hell out of that word. Have, I'm going to say yummy all the time. Man, that's it. I'll have to probably, I don't know if you have it copyrighted, but we'll try to use it. But, um, <laughs> So where did, so that's awesome. So, okay. So this is, there's like, I feel like there's so much to unpack there in regards to abundance. The, mm -hmm. and you, so I want to back up real quick, but you're currently in Cabo. You're living in Cabo. Yeah. I'm here for now for, for a good, the, the next good year or two, we're going to be here. And then you're also talking about like, just you bringing together cultures. Cause what's interesting to me is like where I grew up. I don't even know if I've any, told anybody on my podcast, like my junior high school, like I was one of the only white guys. Like literally, like if it was just literally, I was and so I had to be, I was skinny. I was like 110 grams in weight. I mean, I was like a skinny, frail white guy. And so what I would have to do is I'd have to like to really survive. And what I mean survive is like, I was obviously being made fun of and all this kind of stuff. I, I end up having a really good mouthpiece. And so I was really good at your, your mama jokes or your mama jokes, <laughs> however you want to say it. So that's what I'd have to be the funny guy. And everybody thought I was funny. So I like, I was fine. Sorry, like everything fine. was fine. Yeah. yeah. I was like, totally cool. I had my, but the funny part though, for the longest time, like, I don't even think I knew that I was white. Like really, like I, like there's this point where I was like, wait, what? Like, cause I ended up transferring to another school that was predominantly white. And they're like, yeah. Like, why do you talk like that? You listen to rap music. This, and I'm like, I talk like what? Like I'm, and they're like, yeah, you, you know, and it was just weird kind of like, mm -hmm. and it was kind of the same deal. Like it, it kind mm -hmm. of blew me away. Like, I was like, I, mm -hmm. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even know I was white. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Nobody even told me, you know, it's like, I, I didn't know this, you know, I, this is all new information to me, you know, mm -hmm. not really. I'm being facetious, but, but it you. was an interesting dichotomy mm -hmm. of that, of like how that, you know, going from here to there. But I think mm -hmm. for me and the same thing, I think what you touched on is for me, I feel like, cause I had such a diverse background that I really can really be in any situation, right? And, and mm -hmm. understand not everything that goes on, but I mean, just a better understanding of- You've got a better of, grasp of what's happening in different exactly. circles. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. I've been in yeah. those circles before, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. So I love I love the, the background there. I know it's probably mm -hmm. shocking for you. You're like, wow, there's a lot of white people here. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, knew. I didn't know you guys were all in one area and now we moved here. This is but awesome. It's really funny because it, growing up in a thing where like my family, like, we want, we don't have any of these stories. We didn't have any of these stories around mixing stuff up. So my family, yeah. in terms of how we're all chopped and changed, like there's nothing really around the racial thing. So like yeah. I, I, I never, re I didn't have that limiting belief programmed in, mm. in my family. And then in those formative years, when I was in, you know, kindergarten and all the things, it was there was everybody was there. So everybody's just human. So it yeah. was really interesting that my first experience of that is 
people like, oh my God, like, can I touch your hair? And what do you mean you don't touch my hair for? Well, it's hair, <laughs> right? And all of the story. But it's what's, what was cool was being in a space where, because I didn't have those preconceived notions and ideas, I didn't have those judgments, being able to embody what it feels like not to have those judgments and give people the space to maybe not have those judgments too. And again, being the agent of change just through who I am really goes into what I do now with abundance in the same way, because this is who I am. I'm not putting on a, a costume to come and share this stuff. This is what I live. I share what I live. I yeah. share what I do myself. Uh, and I think that's really been supportive for people to be able to take it on as well, because I'm not, you know, I don't, if I'm having a bad day, I'm having a bad day and I'm, I'll share about it on social, right? Yeah. The guys in my, like I was sharing on my call yesterday, like I had a massive freak out. I did some massive investments in my personal development last month. And I had a massive meltdown and I had to like hit pause. So I'm not doing anything more. I need to like chill. Like I'm a real person that, you know, real people do real stuff. This, and then that path that I've gone through, I can share it with them and they can say, oh, I've got permission too to maybe hit the pause. I've got permission too to realize that, oh, I'm going to have panics as well. That doesn't change when I get to a certain quote unquote level. Everybody goes through this stuff and they have permission to like love and have compassion for themselves going on that journey also. I love that. I think that's so important, especially in social, because it's, you know, everybody, the problem is, is people just see the wins, right? Mm -hmm. And they assume that it's like, oh, it's just going to be that easy. And it's like, well, I love it when people are, I'm going to use the word authentic, even though I think that's kind of an abused word, but yeah. you know, it's like, you know, people are, you know, the fact that you're just saying, Hey, listen, I had a bad month and I'm, mm -hmm. I have every right in the world to have a bad month. Right. I have right mm -hmm. to have good month too. But mm -hmm. I think it's the sharing of that and, and people understand it. Like, Cause I think that brings a human side to, to what you've got going on. In fact, mm -hmm. I do want to talk about, cause you brought up the word abundance a few times here. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, what I want to talk about is learning from failure. Like I want to kind of touch mm -hmm. on that a little bit because I read some stuff on your website um, and I know your I know your story better than most, but mm -hmm. I know that you, at the age of 19, you lost your first, actually made your first million dollars. Is that yeah. true at 19? Mm -hmm. And then had lost it. So I think, um, don't quote me on the exact months, but we're looking at like, no, I was certified. By February, it was gone, or March, it was gone, something like that. Like, so <laughs> it took me seven or eight months to get there, and within three or four months, it was gone. <laughs> so, You're like, I, can I pause that? Can I? Is there any way I could have paused that before we got to the end of that story? <laughs> um, so, so, so that's not yummy. That's not yummy. But um, what the? So how did that happen? You got to, you got to unpack that for me a little bit. I mean, what, so how did that all happen? I mean, you, you went, all of a sudden you made a million dollars. Everything is awesome. This is great. You know, mm -hmm. you had the goal of making a million dollars. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. a few months later, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm a thousand air again. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm not sure what just happened. So, I mean, here's the thing. So one of the teachers that I share is something I call the flow funnel uh, and the flow funnel basically cross sections reality as we look at it and looks at the different aspects of it that kind of need to be in place for anything to show up. So regardless of whether we're conscious of it or not, we're always giving a direction and you know, an instruction on the direction that we're gonna be moving in. So we've got a choice to consciously step in. And for me, that's what an intention is, consciously choosing the direction I'm going in, all right? So there's got to be a direction, which there always is consciously or unconsciously. There's got to be an emotional capacity to hold the thing, right? I have to be in an emotional place that matches what I want. I need to believe it's possible and have thoughts that lead to behaviors 
that lead to it showing up. And then I need to have an environment that supports it. I need to have actions, mm. behaviors. I need to be around the right people, whatever the thing is. So I had mindset wise, my mindset was on point. Like you couldn't fault it. I was reading Think and Grow Rich at 17 years old. Right? I, I wasn't out playing computer games. I got my first games console when I was 19. That's one of the things I got myself to celebrate really doing well in life. Before then, I didn't have that. I was reading books and that's what I was doing. So my mind was, I just had no doubt whatsoever that this is what I was going to do. But I had no experience. I was 19 years old. So I had no experience with money. None. No experience with money. No experience with money. And then I had no emotional capacity to hold the lack of experience meant that mistakes were made. I didn't have the right mm. licenses for the business that I was in. I didn't have the right business partners. None of us knew what we we're doing. We we're all running around like headless chickens. And so a clear intention and a, a mind that was on it was enough to get it out there, but not enough to hold it. I couldn't Absolutely. hold the frequency of money and I didn't have the habits and behaviors to keep the money. And so guess what? It went. And that's just the way that it goes. So that's, I mean, it sounds like that's, that's probably one of your biggest lessons, right? Is like, and you're in a situation where you're like looking at this thing and going, okay, like we, we obtained this, but you're not, it's almost like you weren't, I hate not say not mature enough. That's not the right term, but like not ready for it. Right. It's yeah. like you, you, right. It's like you, it happens. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. And that happens mm -hmm. a lot of times. Not a lot of the times when people get a lot amount of money at a small, mm -hmm. maybe their first business, they're usually not ready for it. Right. Usually yeah. it's these failures that get you to, Oh, I need this license. I need this. So I got slapped mm -hmm. by the government here. I should be doing this better. Now mm -hmm. I need an attorney, like whatever that is. And mm -hmm. I think in your situation, it sounds like, you know, that, that this happened, great things are happening, but you're like, man, you just weren't ready for it. Maybe more mentally, well, mentally you I, were. Yeah. Mentally, mentally, in terms of holding the vision and yeah. going to do the thing, yes. But mentally, and I would say maturity, I didn't have I didn't have any life experience. I was still a virgin when I made my first million, right? <laughs> I don't think I'd ever got, I'd even got drunk, right? I don't think, maybe I've been out to like a, a party or something like that, but I, I hadn't seen any life. And so... Yeah, I would say the maturity in terms of life capacity to hold wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And what dovetails in there is because I hadn't been tested by life, there was an arrogance that bubbled up there because all I'd really done is win up mm. until then. So even when I had that first hit, it didn't shake me at all. Like, ah, all right, cool, I'm going to go and do it again. I still arrogantly was like, all right, cool. I'm me, I've got the cheat code for the universe. I'm gonna go and do this again. And I did. I think it took me a year and a half or something like that, not more than that, to be up again. You did, and then what happened? Everybody stole the money the next time. Bastards. <laughs> Bastards. So this is so this is twice. So twice you've jumped into the millionaire bracket. Life is good again in good. theory. If money it makes life good in, in people's minds. And yeah. then all of a sudden it got taken. Yeah. And so I tried to be clever. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be smart. Like, they're not going to get it from me. I'm, I'm, off the, I'm off their radar. Like, everything's in that person's name and that person's name. And they were like, yeah, put it in my name. Who? Sorry. Bye. <laughs> everything's gone. That's crazy. I'm sure you've learned a lot of lessons along the way. On the next episode, we'll talk about them in detail. Stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast to hear more interesting insights from Daniel again on the next episode. 